In this edition, we visit with FootballArchaeology.com's Timothy P. Brown, and we talk about a game that was affected by some severe rain and a punting game prevailed. We have Tim coming up in just a moment to tell us all about this exciting game from yesteryear. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal for positive football history. And welcome to another edition where we get to visit with our friend, Timothy P. Brown of footballarchaeology.com. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren, good to see you again. Looking forward to having a little chat about football history. Yeah, this is a really interesting and unique uh, point in football history. I don't know if I've ever heard of this before until I I was reading your tidbit recently, and you titled it, When It Rains, It Punts, 65 times. Now, tell us, somebody punted in a game or two teams punted in a game 65 times? Is that Can that actually be? Yes, and it's, it's even worse than that. In another game, they punted 77 times. Oh, my goodness. So, so this is uh, – I mean, I think a lot of times if people are are kind of football history geeks, they're aware of the 1939 Texas Tech centenary game. And that was played in Shreveport. So, you know, centenary was the home, home, home team. And it was just – you know, I don't know if there was a hurricane that had come through or whatever, but – it was raining <laughs> and just, you know, so you just think about it. It was raining a lot in Louisiana um, that, that weekend. And so they, you know, play their game on a Saturday afternoon. And it was just such a mess. I mean, back then teams punted a lot anyways, but it was just at the centenary game. It was just, it's like a quagmire, just a muddy field just puddles of water, you know, a couple of inches of water standing on the field. And so these teams basically, they couldn't move the ball very well. You know, the balls were just like waterlogged. You, you certainly couldn't pass it. Um, so they just resorted to pretty much punting on almost every down. You know, they'd, they'd get the ball and they'd just turn around and punt it, just hoping that the other team was going to fumble it, you know. And there were a lot of fumbles in the game, but, you know, so they were basically playing this field position thing. And so in the Texas Tech centenary game, they literally punted 77 times in the game. So that was the all-time record. They There were 12 NCAA records set in that game, the uh, record for most punts, most punt yardage, most punt returns, most punt return yardage, and then like individual records for most punts, most punt returns, most punt, you know, yardage, yada, yada, yada. And so actually this game also holds the NCAA record or most records set in the game. So, um, so it's just one of those really bizarre games and it ends in a zero, zero tie. So I'd been aware of this game for some time. And then 
one way or another while re researching something else, I come across a game that was played the same day and two hours north by interstate today. Now, there weren't interstates then, but, you know, so somewhere not that far north. Um, and it was a game between uh, Wachita Baptist and Arkansas Teachers College, which is now Central Arkansas. And so like, um, you know, like the centenary Texas Tech, Tech game, it was tied 0, zero at half. Uh, you know, same kind of thing. They're punting all the time. So then six minutes into the third quarter, um, Wachita punts for the 46th time or between the two teams. You know, they executed the 46th punt of the game and it goes out of bounds at the six yard line of Arkansas teachers. So what does Arkansas teachers do? They say, okay, we're going to punt. So on first down, they try to punt, but the ball's blocked or the punt is blocked, rolls into the end zone and the punter falls on it for a safety. Um, and then, you know, so now it's two to nothing. And basically the rest of the game, it's the same stuff. It's one punt after another or nearly so. Um, and so, you know, they ended up this in that game, they ended up, 65 times they punted from scrimmage. There was also the punt following the safety. So, you know, they really had 66 punts in the game. So, but at least, you know, the game ended in a two nothing score. So at least they, they did all that. They punted all those times and at least they came out with a winner. Whereas the other game was a tie game. So it's like, yeah, nothing even happened. Right. So anyway, it's just absolutely crazy to think about, you know, in the days before effective drainage systems on a lot of these fields and you get enough water and there's just not a whole lot we can do. Yeah. Okay. Now I've, I've got a question. All right. Now I understand uh, the concept of, of punting the, the rules, uh, you know, were somewhat different back and back even before this, uh, why teams punted when they got in trouble deep in their own end. But in a era where you're not throwing a forward pass as much as we do today. And we, we know, you know, like the old saying is there's only uh, three things that can happen when you, th you throw a pass and, you know, two of them are bad. Uh, well, snapping a punt, which is, you know, a long backwards pass, somebody going between their legs uh, to something they're not really seeing real well. They're snapping somebody standing back there. That seems like that's a, a pretty dangerous uh, operation. And why would you do that so much often on a muddy field? I understand if you're deep in your own territory, yeah. wouldn't it be safer to try to to run and maybe get some yardage and punt on fourth down? Yeah, and I I, I suspect that they weren't long snapping the way we do today. You know, so um, you know back then a lot of times even you know the a lot of times teams punted in much more of a, a quick kick kind of style. So they might snap back to the tailback and a wing, you know, a single wing formation. Um, and, you know, just the nature of it was that um, people had such trouble. The players had so much trouble getting footing that they couldn't, you know, typically they weren't able to rush the punter very effectively. Now, you know, obviously uh, they did once once in the game because they blocked that punt, you know, and it ended up, you know, in a safety. 
but there there weren't a bunch of punt blocks, you know, despite all the punts. So, and, you know, just like you see it every once in a while with uh, kids in like youth football, if you don't have a decent long snapper, you know, what people used to do, and even before really long snapping developed, they'd, they'd snap the ball to the quarterback and then he'd lateral it back to the, uh, to the punter or to the fullback at the time. So, you know, they may have had to resort to that too, but yeah, I mean, I just, they just were having so much trouble moving the ball at all, you know, run, you know, they were just, they were, they were more scared of fumbling the ball, mishandling it, fumbling it in their own backfield. So they were just trying to get any kind of field position they could because they'd punt the thing and it would just plop and stay yeah. there. It's not like it rolled just wherever it landed. It pretty yeah. much stayed there. I can imagine. Wow. That is something, and that, I guess that's something to to really think about. You know, seventy seven times you had a couple really tired punters. I'm sure they had to soak their legs in ice or something that yeah. evening after the game. Wow. Well, Tim, great stuff as always, and uh, you know we really appreciate these tidbits that you do uh, each and every evening. Uh, maybe you could share with the folks where they can enjoy your tidbits, uh, so they're getting the the action every single night at seven. Yeah. Uh... You can just you go to uh, footballarchaeology.com. You can subscribe there. And if you subscribe, you get an email in your inbox every night at 7 o'clock Eastern. Um, and then, you know, read them at your leisure. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter, um, on threads, or on the uh, Substack app. So, but basically the way Twitter is working nowadays, at least for me, you know, even if you follow me on Twitter, you're probably not going to see it. So. <laughs> so if you want to if you want to see this stuff you're better off uh, subscribing all right well tim brown we thank you very much for for sharing with us again and we will talk to you again next tuesday about another great historical football attribute very good look forward to it thanks there that's all the football history we have today folks join us back tomorrow for more of your football history we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.